Good morning, New Life. Welcome back to another Sunday. Uh, I hope that it's good to see me. I would love to see you. Uh, I see many of you uh, throughout the week just passing around town uh, if I'm in Collingwood or Resega Beach. And I want you to know that it is wonderful when we get to see you. It is wonderful to hear from you. Um, The birds are singing this morning. If I look just over here a little bit and I pointed like that, there's a tree just outside our room, a cedar tree, and there are two little finches building a nest. And we've been enjoying all weekend watching them come in and out back and forth. And it's this reminder to me uh, when Jesus said that you are so valuable to God that you're worth far more than the sparrows, and yet God has set up this world to take care of those sparrows or those finches, and he has set up this world for our enjoyment and to care for us as well. And it is a beautiful day, and I'm glad that you are joining in this morning, uh, not only enjoying the day, but enjoying together um, to celebrate Jesus, the risen King, the risen Lord. Each week, we encourage you to just hop on our webpage, newlifecollingwood.com, and you can get the latest updates there on uh, what is happening in response to um, uh, the pandemic that we're in the middle of. Uh, We have a Saturday email that if you are not subscribed, if you go to our webpage and scroll down to the bottom, you will find a subscribe button there that you can punch in your email and get our regular weekly updates. And you'll notice this week we've had some updates in response to um, the government and easing of restrictions for churches, although we don't feel that we are ready to make any changes yet at this point. But you can read more in that Saturday email. You can go on and um, hop onto our Facebook page or our Instagram uh, feeds in our social media and please uh, follow us. Please uh, like what we're putting out there and do please share. And the more that you are able to share what we are putting out, uh, the more uh, that is a way of uh, inviting people to participate with us at New Life and experiencing what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to, um, to have the opportunity to be part of something larger than us, a community of people who are centered towards Jesus uh, and following him. And uh, when we share those things, that helps us to achieve that purpose. And that is um, the biggest way that we're able to do that right now. Um, For various announcements, the only thing that I can uh, remind you of to consider is the baby bottle drive with the Pregnancy Resource Center Envisage. And you can go to our Saturday emails. You can click on our website. You can get more information about that. And if you're able to help them out um, between Mother's Day and Father's Day is when they typically do this fundraising drive. Uh, We encourage you to do that. So each week we've been doing a good news story and we have been uh, talking to different people from New Life. And for this week, uh, we actually have had Christopher uh, do an interview with Pam Hillier. Pam is the executive director of Community Connection, uh, or 211, and, uh, and I'm going to hand it over to Christopher uh, and just invite you to watch along uh, as we hear what's been going on in our partnership with them. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's Christopher, and I am being joined here with Pam Hillier from Community Connection, and she will be sharing with us our good news story this week. How are you doing, Pam? I'm doing great. I'm glad it's today's the day with the sun shining. It's beautiful out. 
Yes, it is. It is actually just gorgeous. I'm, I'm kind of resenting that I'm indoors at the moment. Um, <laughs> so Pam, I'm curious, how long have you been a part of New Life? I have been attending New Life um, for over 40 years. Um, the first 20 years of my life, I attended missionary church in Collingwood. My grandfather is actually credited with starting New Life Church many, many years ago. So way back. So back in the history logs. Wow, that's incredible. George Hunt. Yeah. Cool. So part mm -hmm. of the original church plant, I take it. That's, yeah. that's cool. Right on. So Pam, tell us a little bit about your work with Community Connection. Well, I've been with the agency a long time, um, 30, over 30 years, and it's a charity. Um, and our, our focus is really on vulnerable populations, people that need help. Um, we've had a helpline since our inception in 1969, where people could call when they were struggling or looking for help. And uh, we've continued to do that for all these years. Um, now, um, the helpline has morphed into a national helpline, the three-digit number 211, and it's a complement to 911. So if you're not in an emergency but you need help, you can call 211 24-7, and we'll help people find the services they need. Our, the top calls are, are typically housing-related, uh, financial assistance, and health services. So often people just don't know what's in their community. So, our, and in order to help people to find those services, we have to have a database. So we have a very smart technical team and editors that keep up with every organization and every program in the community. So that's our big work. So we have a number of staff that work in that program. We also operate Home for Life, which is a, a group of, uh, a, we lead a group of volunteers, about 120, that support about 80 individuals, mostly vulnerable seniors in the community, uh, helping them a lot of visitation and uh, grocery shopping, things like that. And then most recently, uh, last winter, feels like a long time ago now, but in December, yes, uh, we worked with a task group to uh, open a out of the cold shelter. So it's the overnight homeless shelter that was supposed to close on April 25th. So, so we, we do, Lots of different things, but this is same consistent theme as people that are just impacted by social determinants of health and they just need some guidance and some direction to access the services that exist. Oh, that's incredible. So how have you been helping others during this pandemic? Well, <clears throat> so the 211 phone service is an essential service. So we we're able, we um, ramped up, we're, our calls are about 40% higher. Calls are a lot longer. People are very confused about the new funding, <clears throat> what services, there's so many government releases out and people are really um, wanna make sure they're getting the access to the help that they can. Um, and, and at our end, it's been very challenging to keep up with all the changes that the government's um, putting through the, the system right now. So we've hired more staff to answer the calls and we have a great team and it was our first opportunity we've gone virtual so all our staff work at home and it was our first time to recruit onboard and train staff remotely so that was a really good experience but that's um those extra staff have helped a lot 
um, the great. Home for Life front, um, our volunteers are also working remotely. So they're doing telephone check-ins and just making sure that the seniors are doing okay. And then again, connecting them through our two-on-one line if there's other things that they might need. And with the out of the cold shelter, um, it's now funded to be a, an essential service. And being a high risk population, we're funded now to operate at 24 seven. So that's been a whole learning curve for us. And um, a new, a new uh, something we never expected to do. So all of those programs, two on one, home for life, now the cold, all are people that just need that extra, extra help. Um, and, and a lot of that um, is just having someone to give them information and kind of help them along their path. Wow, that's, that's all so wonderful. Uh, so in what ways has New Life been partnering with you in all this? A really unique, um, uh, Paul's, Paul's been, we've checked in on this quite a few times and it's, it's uh, a discretionary fund, I, I guess is the best way to call it in that when individuals need help that they can't get from anyone else, particularly around financial, um, we basically can say, yes, we can help you. They don't have to go through an application process. They don't have to tell their story 10 more times to government forms, things like that. And we're able just to help them with the income that they might need for something. And, uh, and New Life is just making sure that that money's there to help folks. I can give you two examples. Um, the sure. one uh, was a homeless father and son. Uh, so his child was in elementary school. Uh, for a series of things and uh, circumstances, they ended up homeless. And his family was um, way up north. And so we used some the funding to give them the bus fare to get back home to their parents and have somewhere to live and people to look after them. So that was one example. That was a, a very long bus ride and a very expensive bus ride. And uh, one this week, and I don't even think uh, Paul doesn't know about this one yet. Uh, we just are buying iPad, three iPads for seniors or now they're not seniors from people that are in their home who are health at risk. They're not allowed to go out because they're compromised system and uh, because of COVID and, and they need uh, they can't continue their mental health uh, counseling. So the iPads are going to be loaned to these individuals so they can have their uh, mental health uh, counseling while staying at home where it's safe for them. So those are just a That's couple great. examples. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's pretty amazing when you can tell somebody, yeah, we can help you. It changes people's lives that there's people um, that they could call and ask for help and get that help. So it's a pretty cool job to have. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, yeah. So how would you say that faith in Jesus impacts what you do, Pam? Well, I think um, I learned from my parents about serving vulnerable people and that everyone deserves a chance. Someone's situation, you don't know their history. You don't know how they came to be where they are. And the stigma that so many people have, in, in, they struggle with, they can't get beyond um, their problems because of the stigma attached to it so it's really just looking uh, very openly at at individuals that treating everybody equally um, and I think it's mostly for me is it's giving me um, my faith gives me the strength that nothing's impossible mm -hmm. I'm 
running a 24-7 homeless shelter today. If you had told me that a year ago, I would not have believed it. And um, it's this listening, being open and aware and coming up with um, not giving up that things are so big that you can't be done. So That's all so wonderful. Pam, thank you so much for all that you're doing, for the way that you're helping people through this, and for your, your faith that lets you tackle the impossible. Uh, we're so grateful for you. Uh, so that's it for us, and I'm going to pass it back over to Paul with the rest of the service. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Christopher, for um, just letting us know about Community Connection and 2-1-1, the Out of the Cold program, and the way that we're able to work together on that. And I want to take the opportunity right now um, to invite you to pray with me uh, for these organizations, uh, for churches in our area, in our regions, that are doing all they can to take care of the least of these and to make sure that they are loved, that they uh, are giving the voice that they matter, that they are of value uh, to the rest of society. So take a moment with me and pray, will you? Father, thank you for, um, for the love that you put in us to be shared with others. Thank you for, for Pam. Thank you for Community Connection. Thank you for all those that are there uh, working to try to make a difference in this world. And I thank you for the many New Life people that are a part of this organization. And we pray for those that uh, don't have, some of them don't have the luxury of social distancing. Some of them don't have the luxury of isolating at home. And I'm grateful that uh, we have the opportunity to partner with and to care for uh, our brothers and sisters that, that need, um, need this extra help. Not only now during this time, but always. And I know that your heart is for them. And I'm grateful for that. Father, this is, we know that this is a part of your kingdom when we seek after those who are on the outskirts, the marginalized, the poor, the foreigner, the refugee, and we bring them in and we elevate them and we lift them up. That is your heart. And we celebrate that. We know that the kingdom of God is present when that is happening, that shalom, the overall well-being of a community uh, increases. And we pray that we would see that more and more. We pray together with one voice uh, and we say, Lord, you have uh, made from one blood all the peoples of the earth and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere might seek you and when they seek you, that they would find you. Draw the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit on all flesh, God, and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you were encouraged by that. And each week, um, next week, we are going to have something a little different that involves uh, several or many of the area churches. And then the week after that, our first Sunday in June, uh, we'll have another special guest that we'll be interviewing uh, with kind of like a good news story. Well, today we are talking about um, the good news in 30 words. We are highlighting a, a book that we're encouraging people to purchase and to read. It's called Reunion, The Good News of Jesus for Seekers, Saints, and Sinners um, by Bruxy Cavey. 
And this week, we are looking at another section of the good news in 30 words, and that is that Jesus came to set up God's kingdom. So to prepare you for that, I thought it might be uh, interesting for us to watch some cartoons this morning. So I have a cartoon that I want you to watch and hope that it helps you understand a little more um, comprehensively about the good news of the kingdom. So here it is. Hopefully that uh, helps you a little bit understand more about uh, God's kingdom from a biblical perspective. They weren't quite ready for what Jesus was bringing because they didn't understand God's kingdom. And even today, I think we, we sometimes have difficulty with what God is up to. So let me ask you this question to start today. What do you think about your life? How is it? Do you have a good life? You feel like, my life's pretty good. Maybe you feel like my life's pretty average. I know some of you feel like your life is like Groundhog Day right now. You're not even sure what day it is. It's uh, just the same thing over and over again. But maybe you feel like, yeah, life's pretty good. Last week, a lot of people said that they were content or that they felt blessed uh, with their life situation. Maybe today you feel like your life isn't that great, but probably could be a lot worse. Well, I want to begin by asking you this question. Would you be willing to give up something good with your life right now for something better? And hold that as we get through Uh, today's talk. We are looking at the gospel in 30 words, and that, um, you know, put is that Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love. We looked at that to save us from sin. We looked at that last week, and this week we're looking at this idea that Jesus came to set up God's kingdom. Each week we're walking through one of these elements. Next week we will look at uh, shutting down religion, and then the last week about sharing in God's life. And that's kind of why he does all of these things. But today we want to focus specifically on setting up God's kingdom. And what, that, what does that even mean? And so I want to walk us through a few implications of what it means if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, then it means something. And I want to begin by reading from Mark chapter 1, uh, just two verses in Mark chapter 1, the gospel of Mark or the good news story of Mark about Jesus. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It's been talking about Jesus and John the Baptist and uh, Jesus getting baptized and then being tempted in the wilderness. And then in verse 14, Mark writes this, Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. And this is the good news that Jesus preached. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So here's Jesus coming, and Mark says he's been preaching And he's preaching good news. And the good news that Jesus was preaching is, or was, the kingdom of God is near. That was the good news for Jesus. And if it was good news for Jesus, and that's what he was preaching, then I think it's worth uh, exploring exactly what Jesus meant, or what the biblical writers mean when they talk about the kingdom of God. 
Sometimes it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And you'll read this, um, particularly in Matthew's gospel, uh, he uses this term kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven uh, a lot more than the other writers do. But you'll find it through all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is telling stories about it. And if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, then there are some implications that come with that. And I think the first one is that if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, then that means he is king and we owe him our allegiance. If Jesus is setting up God's kingdom, then he is king and we owe him our allegiance. When Jesus was arrested, he was brought before a Roman governor named Pilate. And you can read about this in John chapter 18. And in John 18, Pilate is having this conversation with Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the one that they say you are? And he's trying to draw out of Jesus some information. And Jesus simply says to him in John 18 that, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my followers would fight for me like people would normally in the world. But here's Jesus talking about the kingdom in terms of it belonging to him. And so not only did Jesus come teaching about God's kingdom or about the kingdom of heaven, but he also referred to it as his kingdom. And that means if it's his kingdom, he is king. So in in Matthew, Jesus is telling a story in Matthew 25. He's telling a story about about, um, what is on the heart of God. And he tells a story about, uh, about a king speaking to his subjects, and he's referring to himself as the king. And he says, like, when you fed the poor, when you clothed the naked, when you visited people in prison, when you helped the sick, you were doing it for me, the king. And so if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, it's his kingdom, and he's king. And if he is king, then we owe him our allegiance. And that means he gets priority over all other rulers, over all other authorities, over all other uh, people that we might feel like we are subject to. And when you begin to talk like that, that's where you begin to grasp some of the the counterintuitive elements of the kingdom of God, how it takes on this idea of revolutionary language. Now, that's not to incite people to go out and overthrow governments. Like uh, I've been seeing in the news, um, different places like armed protests and uh, different groups wanting to overthrow governments. Jesus never calls us to that. Jesus doesn't call us, as you saw in the the video that you just watched, he doesn't call us to a, a life of using force and coercion like the governments of this world might. And that's why people had a hard time understanding what he was talking about. He calls us to something different, but he does call us to have allegiance to him. And so the early Christians understood that. The Apostle Paul, writing about Jesus in Colossians 1, said that he is supreme above all rulers, above all authorities, above all the the kingdoms of this world. In fact, they are all held together by him. And so I think it's worth noticing that when Jesus sets up God's kingdom and we talk about the kingdom of God, The language that we are using is that not only is there a kingdom of God, but within that kingdom of God, Jesus is king. 
and he calls us for our allegiance, and we give our allegiance to him above all others. And when we do that, it was his conviction, it's my conviction from what I understand from Jesus, is that our world will benefit from people that place their allegiance first with Jesus. And that might raise some questions for you. Well, what about being a Canadian citizen? What about being an American citizen or whatever other nationality that you are? And Jesus calls us into his kingdom and says, well, be, be a part of the world, but understand that your calling first is to follow him and to give allegiance to him. So that's one of the implications, I think, of Jesus coming to set up God's kingdom. And along with that, another implication is that if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, then his way is our way. His way is our way. He took the whole system from, from the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew Bible, and he, and he summed all of it up into a single command. Love God and love others like you love yourself. And then in John 13, curiously, you read that Jesus adds even to that. And in John 13, after he washes the feet of his disciples, something that only a slave or a servant would do, Jesus says to them, now you do likewise. I have given you a new command that you should love one another as I have loved you. And he loved them in a way that nobody else had ever experienced before. So not only is Jesus saying, love others like you love yourself, now he's even calling us to something greater and broader and deeper than that. Love people like I have loved you. And of course, he would show them the full extent of his love just a few chapters later as he hung on the cross. And so if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, then his way of living becomes our way of living. And Jesus took all the systems of law and he replaced them with one simple thing, and that was the law of love, that we love God and we love others. And so Bruxy Cavey in his book, uh, in chapter 9, I think it is, um, he writes this, Love trumps law as the guiding principle of Jesus. Law is case-specific, whereas love is universally applicable. Law is shaped by culture, whereas love shapes cultures by shaping hearts. In fact, when love leads our hearts, rules become redundant. You see, when his way is our way, then we start to become good news for people. We start to live out what the gospel looks like. We enact it for them. And as king, we follow him and we show people what the world could be, what it might be like. And we live out what it means to be good news. When his way is our way, then we are quite willing to confront injustice. And we're willing to confront oppression of the poor and the marginalized and the downtrodden. We refuse to conform to the systems in this world that make us into people that we don't want to be. When his way is our way, we say no to those systems those systems that favor a few over the expense of the many, those systems that turn people inwards towards themselves rather than turning them outwards towards God and towards their fellow human beings. When his way is our way, we say no to those systems. We even confront those systems, but we do it in the way that Jesus did, not with violence, 
not with um, putting people down, but by simply speaking the truth and then offering alternatives and being persistent in that and living it out so that people can see what it might look like. His way becomes our way. And when we do that, we can take up our cross. Jesus said at one point, take up your cross. He was saying, die to yourself. Die to those ambitions, those impulses that you have that keep you turned toward in, in towards yourself, that keep you from rejecting people, that keep you enjoying the systems that favor the few at the expense of the many. We die to all of that, and then we follow him. And we do that every single day. We have the opportunity to say yes to his way rather than the way that we might typically want to do. So if Jesus came to set up God's kingdom, then he's king, we owe him allegiance. Then his way is our way. And then we understand his kingdom is not like other kingdoms. See, when we think kingdom, we think, you know, the different nationalities around the world and they have their leaders and their rulers and the people. But his kingdom was very different. I mean, he says to Pilate in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. And yet there's so much more about the kingdom of God. We, we often think of it as a place, and we'll get to that in a moment, but when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, there's this element of it being now and not yet. So you've got the now part. In Mark 1, Jesus says the kingdom of God is near. It's, it's right present. It's right here. You can almost grasp it if you would just open your eyes. But then you've got this element of the not yet part of the kingdom of God. So in Matthew 6, Jesus actually teaches his disciples how to pray. And when we pray, we pray that God's kingdom would come. Even though the kingdom is near, even though the kingdom is present, we continue to pray, God, establish your kingdom so that it, so that it becomes more. And that kind of brings me to this other idea about how his kingdom is not like other kingdoms. We typically think of kingdom and we think of... Uh, a geographical location. So we, we think of a map and we think, okay, here's Canada, here's the U.S., here's Mexico, here's Europe over here. And we think geographically, we think spatially when we think about kingdoms. And yet the kingdom of God is not like that at all. So typically how we think of a kingdom is we see the kingdom of God and, and there's boundaries around it. And there's people who are in the kingdom of God and people who are out of the kingdom of God. And most of that is based upon um, a certain group's criteria of cert, uh, the behaviors that are acceptable to be in the kingdom of God. We've talked about this before in the difference between bounded set thinking and centered set thinking. But we see the kingdom of God as a place and we're entering into it. And you can see the arrow graphic that we're entering into the kingdom of God. But as Jesus teaches about the kingdom, perhaps a better way to understand his description of it is like this graphic here, where the, we have the world, and then we have God reigning in the world. We have God's mission. And anywhere God is at work in this world is where the kingdom of God is. So it's not really a place. It's more of a way of living, so to speak. God is at work in this world, and the way that we enter into the kingdom is by participating with God in his work in this world. So rather than seeing the kingdom as a place where we've arrived, ha-ha, I'm here, now I'm in and I don't have to worry about it, or ooh, maybe, maybe now I'm out, 
whenever God is at work in this world, he invites us to participate with him. He is always inviting us to partner with him. That is how God operates. He has always operated this way. If you go back to Adam and Eve, he creates and then he lets Adam partner with him. He lets Adam and Eve work in the garden. God co-reigns with us. And even today, even when Jesus was introducing people to the kingdom of God, he was inviting people to partner with him, to partner with God. So when some religious people in in Luke 17 came to Jesus and said, when will the kingdom come? Jesus said, well, you can't really think of the kingdom like a place that you would say, well, there it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of God is among you depending on how you want to read that. And that's in uh, John or Luke 17, beginning at verse 20. You can read that. So I hope that graphic helps you understand a little bit. The kingdom is not a place. It's the reign of God in this world, and God is inviting us into his reign, partnering with him. And by doing that, we are always moving deeper and deeper into God's work in this world. And so there's this constant progression of being more and more into the kingdom of God. And if his kingdom is not like other kingdoms, then it's also going to look different. Because in God's kingdom, the poor are favored. And so in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Jesus has people saying, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Luke, Luke chapter 6, Luke actually says, blessed are the poor, and he means the the physically poor. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is also the kingdom of heaven. So in God's kingdom, the poor are favored. In God's kingdom, the marginalized and the outcast are favored. Matthew 9, Jesus is partying with a bunch of people that are referred to as sinners and scum of the earth. And he says, actually, these are the people that I, that I want to hang out with. In God's kingdom, the foreigner is favored. The refugee is favored. All through the Hebrew Bible, you read about God telling Israel, be kind to the foreigner and, and the outsider. See, God's kingdom is without borders because it is a kingdom above all other kingdoms. It incorpor- incorporates and encompasses the entire globe. So the wonderful thing about being a citizen of heaven is that there are no borders, and I don't have to worry about um, trying to keep people out. In fact, in God's kingdom, it's always about inviting people in. And that's not like other kingdoms, but it is a beautiful way to live. And I suspect that may raise some questions for you, and I don't mind letting you think through and wrestle with those questions. Interestingly, the kingdom of God is set up in such a way that it is the wealthy and the powerful and the religious who have the hardest time with it, trying to understand it, trying to grasp it. And you can see this as you read through the gospel stories. God brings people together from all different backgrounds, socioeconomic and racial and all the variety of differences you can think of Jesus brings them together and forms his church. And so Bruxy says again, there's nothing quite like church, a place where very different kinds of people who have nothing but Jesus in common gather together to learn how to live a loving life with one another. His kingdom is not like other kingdoms. And having read that quote, I don't want us to confuse the church with the kingdom of God. The church is not the kingdom of God. 
the church, big C church, all Christians are part of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is so much more than just the church. It's wherever God is at work in this world. And he's at work in this world in all kinds of places outside of the church as well as inside of the church. So I want to ask you the question again. Would you be willing to give up something good for something better? In Matthew 13, Jesus told a lot of stories to help people understand what the kingdom of God was like. And he told one story, very short story, and I want to just paraphrase that into, into a modern-day equivalent. The kingdom of God is like a young man who wanted to buy a home, and he didn't have a lot of money. So he went looking for homes, and he happened to come across one home for sale that was a, a couple of acres out in the country with a shabby run-down barn, a tiny little house, and the, and the property was covered in old cars and long grass growing everywhere, and it was a mess. And he went in and began to look around the property because he was a car aficionado. He liked cars. But the amount of cars in this property would cost a fortune to remove. And he walked through the property, and he come across one car in particular that made him catch his breath. And he said to the agent, I've seen enough. I'll take it. And he went home, and he scraped up all the money he had because it was more than he could afford. And he even sold his own car that he had worked on for years. And it was worth a lot of money. It was a very custom car. And he sold everything, and people wondered, what is he doing? And the day that he closed on this little property with all these shabby cars, he brought in a car expert to appraise one car on the property. It was a 1966 Ford GT 40 Mach 2. And it was appraised at $9 million. And now you understand why he sold everything to get this one property because of that one car. He was willing to give up something good for something better. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus said some people stumble upon it. It's like a man who found a treasure in a field and he went and sold everything he had and he bought the field. He hid the treasure, he bought the field, and then he had that treasure. Or some people are looking for the kingdom of God. It's like a merchant who's looking for a fine pearl. And when he finds that pearl, it's so expensive, he sells everything he has to get that one pearl. And Jesus says that is what the kingdom is like. It's like that merchant looking for the field. Or it's like that person who stumbles upon the kingdom even though they weren't expecting it. And then they're willing to give up something good for something better. And if the kingdom of God is God at work in this world, then we are always in the opportunity to move deeper and more into partnership with God at what he's doing in this world. And so every day, the invitation is for you and for me to give up something good for something better. How is your life now? Is it a good life? Is it an average life? Are you happy with it, not happy with it? And the invitation for you today and then again tomorrow is, would you be willing to give up all of that good for something better? More partnership with God, deeper understanding, seeing the kingdom of God more and more expanding in this world. It's up to you. Are you willing to trust him and partnering with him? in his kingdom, giving up something good for something better. Pray with me. How I pray that would be true. In my own life, God, in your grace, 
show me what could be. And then I'd be willing to let go of all the stuff I love every day, knowing that you bring me into something better, something deeper, something broader. Seeing you move in this world and knowing that you're inviting me to partner with you. I pray that would be true for each and every one of us. Thank you for the kingdom. Amen. Thanks for joining in today. I pray that you've been encouraged. I pray that you've been challenged. And if you want to send a comment or an email, you can do that, paul at newlifecollingwood.com. If you have a question, uh, there's a number there that you can text. Uh, There's the email that you can send. Next week, we're going to look at the next section, and I think it's also going to be interesting because this is where Jesus really got into trouble with people, is that he came to shut down religion. And we'll explore what that means next Sunday. I hope you have a great week, and uh, we'll see you soon. God bless.